creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, From Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And down the road, author, speaker, podcaster, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. This is a big day. A big day. It's a big day. And not only our world, but especially Annie's world. Uh, today, uh, congratulations, your your new book, Remember God, uh, releases. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I know. It's such a fun day. It's so weird when it becomes like a thing people can have. <laughs> like, are you nervous? Are you excited? Like, what's, I mean, I, people have been pre-ordering, getting the yeah. audio book and all that for a month now, but I mean... This is the day. Yeah, people this can is go the day. And buy it I don't and know. Get it feels super weird. I'm so thankful. I mean, like people have been really kind and have re- told me what they feel about it, and it's really fun. And the cover is beautiful. Matt Lehman designed it, so the cover is so beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled. It's so fun. It's so fun. But you, and this is how y'all live too. But we do the work, and we we thank God for the opportunity, and then we put it out there, and then we move on to the next thing, and keep trying to do what we're here for. So. I'm thrilled about it. We have like the night before a book comes out, I always do like a dinner with my friends to kind of celebrate because then it's like, it's not about the numbers. It's not about sales. It is purely that we did the work, you know, like we did the work. And so we eat dinner. I get my nails painted to match the book cover, just like you guys, I'm sure do that with your magazine, right? Jesse, every time you put out a new issue. issue. Oh, every time. I mean, I I party for about 48 hours straight (laughs) after every single issue. I have a a celebratory drink before, during, and after the print publication yeah, process. Yeah, I believe it. I <laughs> believe constantly. it. But it, it's, uh, it's very exciting. It's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, the thing, right? Is you just, you just celebrate that you and your team did a little piece of work that may make the world a little bit better in some way or make somebody's world a little bit better. So, yes, I'm thrilled about today. That's an Annie long answer for how thrilled I am about today. I wish we had a little like button to sit like that. Bow, 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 new book <laughs> all, all three of us are in the middle of reading Remember God, so I don't want to talk okay. about it until I'm done. So on Friday's episode, I'm going to have some questions okay. for you if that's yeah, yeah. okay. Let's yeah. talk about it. That's great. I, think, we'll I like... think we do the deep dive on Friday. Annie. Okay. Let's do that. Because honestly, you know what? Because people, we want people to go get it yeah. today. You don't want to talk. You don't want to like listen to the spoilers before you that's get a, a chance point. to read it yourself. So go get it today and join us for like a book club discussion on Friday. Friday's episode. Because a lot of people uh, don't know this, but there's a major plot twist about three fourths <laughs> of the way through. You find that's out right, that Annie, Annie is a ghost the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to give that away, but I feel but like you did. Annie. Yeah, you did. I feel I like. Not to say one thing about it, and that's the one thing I asked you not to say, and you did it anyway. <laughs> We've been talking to a ghost of Annie for all these years. It's yeah. a it's a stunning, well, Jesse, it's a I mean, stunning it's revelation. 
but she was sent to the podcast as ghost Annie. Yeah. So we could remember the spirit realm so we could remember God. Mm. See, so that's what the book, she's here God. haunting us. So yeah. we'll remember God. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a you, very you keep deep. not reading the subtitle. Remember God, the haunting of the relevant podcast. That's what it's all remember, about. Remembering people God. remembering ghosts, remembering God. Yeah. <laughs> when you boil it down, that's the well, message. I mean, God was watching and there wasn't enough spiritual content on this show for the first decade. We were just and a so little secular. He yeah. sent her to haunt our show. Yeah. So yeah. we would remember him. Yes. There you go. And remember the spirit. That's right. Okay, so y'all finish reading it and we'll talk about it on Friday. Okay. Have you read it? Have I read it? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> but you know what? You know what's actually true, Cameron? This one is so personal to me and was a really hard season of my life that I haven't read it again since I read the audiobook. Like I've had boxes of it in my office this week and I haven't opened a single one yet. Wow. Cameron doesn't like to read. You don't, Cameron. You don't read the magazine once it. Oh actually no, no, goes to no! Print, right? Once the once it's gone to the printer, I've never once in in really ninety seven issues read one of the magazines or even flipped through them once they've arrived. Well, they're, from they're the terrible. Printer. They're atrocious. Wait, well, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this, Cameron. The night before they go to print, we make dramatic changes uh, <laughs> that we know you'll never know about. I mean, a lot of Jesse, ghost stuff. Tons me and Jesse are up stuff. late. Like, like, all right, now it's time for the a little eleventh hour fine tuning, <laughs> just to really make sure the vision. Yeah, the, the, the last four. Issues have had in depth features about cryptozoology and the paranormal and uh, <laughs> slander, yeah. libel, yeah. pure uh, slander. That's the, right. The, yeah. Paganism. I mean, for me, it's like I just like no good would come of me, it. You know, That's I'm like it. A, right. I, I'm a perfectionist, and so like I'll see things with fresh eyes. Yeah. You know, because we see this. You know, like you when you're editing a book, you see it eighty thousand times, especially yep. right before the end, and you almost like go blind you don't you'd start to not see things you know and so then it goes away to the printer for a month and it comes back fresh and you see things you want to tweak and you you see them layout stuff or a headline oh if we would have said it like this so no good will come of me reading through the magazine you're right cameron i'm the same way change it yeah oh have you done the voiceover yet annie like the the um the audiobook the audiobook came out a month ago yeah is that stressful is that stressful because i would not only like be weird because you got to lock yourself like in a booth for like six hours two yeah. days yeah yeah and i ad lib every time jesse oh do you oh for sure i do i like throw in extra things i like i mean i 90 percent oh. stick to the script and i 10 percent go like i'll read something and go y'all remember when that happened do you remember seeing that on instagram and then i'll just keep going <laughs> i just feel like it's a podcast it's just a long podcast wait you really do that you ad lib your audiobook totally i not a not a ton but i do i mean yeah there are parts where but you like do commentary like you're reading it yeah. and then you'll do like little asides yep. like you're talking to your friends. Totally. Oh, that's I, funny. Is your yeah. editor there in the corner just like pulling her hair out? Just like, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's like, why I, I get to do it. They pull, a Cameron. they pull a Cameron and don't even show up for the final product. So I do whatever I want. Annie, I would just make up whole chapters on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know it, it, would get a of. totally different book. It would be, and part of it would be a novel too. Like I would start weaving just weird, you know, fictional stories about myself in through 
throughout. Yeah. You know, like the audio, you know, I would really, here's the thing. I don't know, like a, a lot of people are readers and I mean, some people only like to have the audio book, right? But I feel like you're splitting right. your audience here, right? So people are either going to buy the book or the audio book. A lot of people because they're either audio book yeah. person or they're, they're, sure, they're reading not going to do both. Yeah, you're right. I would yeah. give them a real, I would give the readers a real incentive to get the audio book because I am ranting like a madman about 80% of the time. <laughs> Weird political conspiracies, you know, fix, I, I get some things off my chest about people who have sure. wronged me. I give them a real incentive to get you this book. You use real names. Yeah. I wish that's what I should have done is every place that I put, I change names for someone. I should have done the real name in the audio book. But before, yeah. before I jump into chapter three, I'd like to tell you something that really steamed me that Uncle Frank did this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll she, get to chapter three down like, uh, soon enough. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> she sits down like the uh, uh, Matt Damon, Brett Kavanaugh. He's like, I wrote this at 11 o'clock last night. I didn't show it to friends, family. That's <laughs> that was really yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, what'd you guys, what'd you guys think about the SNL comeback? I, I, other than the, the opening, uh, you know, the, the, the long opening skit with, uh, yeah, Matt long. Damon and portraying Brett Kavanaugh, I was a little underwhelmed. Where are you? Yeah, I'm with, I'm right there with you. I like the last sketch a lot. I always like their last, they get a little weird in the last sketch, but yeah, in they general, get super I felt weird like after it was, midnight. And even the Kavanaugh one, it just kind of felt like a, remember this thing we all watched? We, we right. noticed that too. And yeah. it was just like kind of touch points instead of a really, but Matt Damon was funny. I liked yeah. Matt Damon. The only thing that I thought the Kavanaugh sketch added, you know, that wasn't just, oh yeah, he yelled and drank a lot of water and was sweaty. Uh, when he was like, I'm an opt, I'm a keg half full kind of guy. Oh, gosh, I love that. That, that line, I've watched it five times. That line makes me literally laugh out line. loud every time. Yeah. I think SNL's in a tough spot because, man, they used to be able to, like, a few years ago, having a big Thursday. A uh, media event would be gold for Saturday Night Live, but now in the internet years, that's like that's like might as well be two years of time. And Twitter's gotten oh, all the sure. good jokes out of its system, yeah, a couple of times since then. So as an to pick up the pieces. But beyond that, I think it was like in the in the past political eras, you know, like Will Ferrell could exaggerate the presidential character, or yeah, could exaggerate. <laughs> you know, um, a, a, a candidate and, and, and it was like lampooning this, this exaggerated cartoonish version of it. But right now reality is cartoonish. And so it's like, right. how do you exaggerate something that's so unbelievable and every day it's unbelievable. And it's like, you can't take it anywhere else. I mean, just literally reporting is just, you know, almost like <laughs> we satire. Can't, we can't believe what we write sometimes. Yeah. What is Alec yeah. Baldwin really going to do? Like when right. the real person, when the real person is, you know, more absurd or unintentionally hilarious than the person impersonating the the person, there's a problem there. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, and that's not a partisan thing. That is not whatever. That's, I mean, even Trump supporters would say, yeah, yeah, we don't, I mean, yes, he's over the top, whatever, fine. We support his policies. You know what I mean? They, everybody acknowledges that this is a cartoonish moment in uh, DC. Yeah. It's just crazy. What's even going like, on. Like, you're right. Think, SNL's uh, in a tough... How many times a week do you think in the SNL writers room, they think they've got a really good sketch. Like, oh, we really got him here. And then the White House just comes out and does the exact <laughs> sketch they have written. Straight face. And they're just like, tear, like, like, back, tear, like crumple it up, throw it into the weight, the giant yeah. overflowing yeah. wastebasket of pieces of paper and start all over again. But even like, even last year with like the Melissa McCarthy, Sean Spicer, it was funny, but it wasn't as it was funny, funny as the real Sean Spicer. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know like, about that. That was like, so I'm watching. I'm, I, yeah, that was... 
She took it to she another did, level. But I'm saying, when you're watching drive the podium into the crowd, <laughs> yeah. I know mean, that was his. Hey, that's funny. That's funny. But also, it's funny watching him stand up there screaming at reporters, insisting yeah. that one photo has more <laughs> people than another photo. And it's like, right. we all have eyes. And it's like, this is hilarious. This is pure gold. He's sweating, oh, and he knows he he knows he looks like a maniac, and he just has to do it. That's what hilarious. What is he doing with his life now? What is Sean Spicer doing with his life these days? Oh, I'm sure he's a consultant and political yeah, probably, pundit probably and all a think that. Tank somewhere. Oh yeah. yeah I wonder if he just like think. sits back and just is like, I am, I am glad to be over here. I, I, you know, it's like I, I always would think about that about politics. Like these guys, you know, they work their way up to the White House, you know, staff or whatever. They don't make a lot of money. Politicians yeah. don't make a, very much money, but then they cash in after they leave. And they join a law firm or mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. think tank or something, and they or make write huge a money or then. something. Or they write yeah. a book, yeah. yeah. Speaking to the, book, the the cable news channel, you know, if you're brought in to be a regular yeah. consultant, I think you can make some, a pretty decent living there. Yeah, yeah. We should do, like, what are we doing? That'd be a great life. Guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The podcasting circuit. I mean, I'm, I I know none of us are hurting. <laughs> Quick announcement: This is my last show. I'm going to work for Sean Spicer in his <laughs> consulting <laughs> business. Chapter eleven. When I started to work for Sean Spicer. <laughs> yeah. Only in the Before audiobook. I get into chapter four, I want to tell you something about Sean Spicer. <laughs> Hilarious. I think it's funny. I need to listen to the audiobook to get the commentary. So, so you kind of blend your uh, author voice and your podcaster voice yeah. on the yeah, audiobook. I think so. I mean, it's, it's mostly the book, but there, there were just places where I thought, if I was actually telling the story to someone, this is what I would say here. So I did. I think I like the I like Jesse's idea of a novel, like yeah. throwing in little bits of an unfinished fictional work in, t- in there. I would sing at random points. <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get. Like there would be there would be a period where I'm just breathing heavily into the microphone for reasons that are never clear. <laughs> like I think I would bring the engineer into the studio and just start grilling him about personal things. You know, I just want to keep it interesting. Yeah. I want to keep people on their toes when they're listening okay. to this thing. How come know? we don't do audio magazines? We should do it. I mean, they do audio books. Why can't we just read the magazine? I mean, is that kind of what we do here? Is this kind of your audio magazine? Oh, no. No, no. The magazine's way better than this. (laughs) That's true. Especially after me and Jesse's 11th, 11th hour edits on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't even really? know how much better it is. Here, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of paprika on top, just to really, just to get things, make it a little more interesting. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. I actually, uh, this one is going to the printer, and I think uh, Cameron hasn't seen the Choose Your Own Adventure edits that I made oh, to yeah. several of the features. Yeah. And most of them, the primary subject of the feature dies and I ended up interviewing their ghost the whole time. It's an incredible issue. I'm really proud of this one. And that, at the end of the story, is how you remember yeah. God. Yeah, exactly. Sort of the theme of every exactly. issue. There you go. Yeah, it's woven throughout. Yeah. Hey, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talked to our friend Scott Harrison, founder of Charity Water. He has a, a big new book uh, coming out today called Thirst. Uh, Scott famously has a 100% giving model for Charity Water. Every dime that is raised by the public goes straight to the work on the field and they don't take anything off the top for overhead or anything. He raises all that money separately, right? And he's, uh, when, when we were talking to him about this book release, big, big publisher, big book, he said, um, I, I got a $700,000 advance and I gave every dollar of it to Charity Water. And every dollar from this book sale uh, for all the royalties and stuff are going to Charity yeah. Water. I mean, this guy is living it, which is really... He's the real deal. He's the real yeah. deal, which is exciting. It is a hard road that he has uh, decided to go down. I mean, having to 
raise millions of dollars every year to support the operations of the organization and stuff so they can be a 100% giving model um, and, and bring clean water to people all over the world. It's just an amazing thing that he's doing. And uh, we're, we're fans, we're friends, and he's coming up later on the show. I, I think, you know, I said this, Cameron, when we interviewed him back uh, during Impact Week. But, like, when you read the, the book and you hear, like, his personal story, you know, of going from, like, this hedonistic, like, nightclub performer to launching the sherry. Hedonistic I, is a hard word. That sounds like, man. like I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah level. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that he would. I mean, he might. I mean, it was, he was caught up. Oh, my gosh. In he the, told me stories when he was on my podcast about, like, literally Sodom and Gomorrah. He, like, high-level stuff that you thought would only existed on, like, This is in the shows. audiobook of Scott's new book. This is He gets into it in the no. audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's mostly the hedonism. I mean, the the, the charity stuff is the last 10 pages. No, but, I, no but, but literally, I mean, he had a, a radical life turnaround. I mean, he was someone who, you know, in the book, it describes these years of, um, you know, really hard partying and, and drug use and addiction and had this radical kind of spiritual conversion and, uh, you know, kind of rediscovered his faith and gave all of that up and left it behind. Um, and, you know, went, ended up, he, he, he describes, I don't want to give too much away, but he talks about how, you know, he really wanted to do something positive. And so he wanted to volunteer, but because of his like past and his reputation, he actually had to pay an organization uh, to let him volunteer. Um, yeah. And that was sort of his introduction to this kind of lifestyle of giving back. It's an incredible story. But all I have to say is I think it would make an, an amazing movie. Like, I, 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 it would not surprise me at all if we find out, like, in a few months that the book was optioned for a great movie. idea, Jesse. And I've already said who would star. Well, I wonder if it has I, been. Hey, I've already decided who would star, Annie. He okay. So oh, wow. when we okay. got off, the, you're talking about Impact Week as we were ending it with him. As we were ending yeah. our live interview with him, we were talking about who would play Scott Harrison in the movie of of his story, right? And That's then right. we got off with him, and you and I kept talking about casting options. Yes. And he texted me a minute later and goes, "Leonardo DiCaprio is too old." <laughs> like he was still listening to <laughs> us. Oh, so like, so yeah. <laughs> okay, how about this? Because the, the, I mean, the part of the story you want to focus in on is like early mid thirties. Right, like right. that's when he has like yeah. the the this you know kind of literal come to Jesus moment. And he launches charity water and has this great idea. Travels the world, all the stuff. Listen, Andrew Garfield. It's perfect. Like oh, there is no is better choice than Andrew Garfield. They kind of look similar. They like, do and look Andrew similar. Garfield has been kind of doing a couple of those faith fringe roles lately. Yeah. Like he was in Silence and stuff. Yeah, man, you really got my wheels a spinning, Jesse. How long has Scott had the salt and pepper complexion, though? Because that's something I, I can't really see. Throw, oh, you can throw that in his oh, hair. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah, just, that's totally just baby that. powder. A dye job. <laughs> Action. And I want to introduce, <laughs> right, I'm going to oh, use yeah. the, the opportunity to introduce relevant films. Thirst, the charity water story, starring Andrew Garfield. He's dead the whole time. No one knows. Like I feel like the story's good enough to sell. But listen, well, I want this. I want this to be something that people walk out of theaters and like, wow, that I did not see that coming. That was unbelievable. It actually deterred from the story and made zero sense why they made him dead the whole time. But I want to get people talking. I want to get people buzzing. Meanwhile, so. I'm going to be getting the Remember God cinematic universe. Up oh, oh, Remember yes. God. Remember God two, the haunting. Remember God. Three. Remember me. Fright night. <laughs> Remember God two. Electric boogaloo. Clearly. Yeah. Remember God four. Amnesia. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, you I remember now. I remember when you now. started that, Tyler, <laughs> that there was going to be superhero characters, too. Okay, so we wait. We have Remember God, the movie. Remember God 2, Electric Boogaloo. Remember yep. God 3, The Conjuring. Remember God 4, Amnesia. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that right there. Then we have to do the reboot. Remember God Begins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Origin story. That's right. You guys. Yeah. I love yeah. all this. Remember God Origins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you remember, I don't know, Jesse, were you interning with us back then? But um, uh, Scott, when you're, you know, you talk about he was when he was wanting to leave his successful career nightclub promoter in New York and just wanted to like get away and start over. He, uh, he became a photographer for Mercy Ships, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he went for a year, did the year long thing. I think he did a second year because he just like, you know, was one to keep going. And, uh, yeah, he when did. he was coming back to New York and kind of starting the next season of life, while he was out abroad, while he was seeing the world, you know, is when he started to see the need for water and how clean water can change so many lives and, um, and really was kind of dreaming up like what became charity water. As he was coming back to New York, he pitched a article for Relevant telling his story of leaving the New York fast paced, you know, lifestyle, Sodom and Gomorrah you know, his journey as a photographer with Mercy Ships and then his dream to launch Charity Water. And it was just a pitch from this guy, this photographer. This, wow. And it was amazing imagery. You remember and, it? Uh, yeah, and we oh, published yeah. it. And we published it, you know, so Charity Water started 10 years ago. Uh, we, so we published it 10 years ago. That's and really cool. It was, it was like Scott telling his story and his dream for Charity Water, which is amazing. And hey, so do you know been, that my first ever piece that was ever published as an author was with Radiant? was with you guys no really? way yeah what yeah the first thing speaking i ever wrote that got published origins. yeah speaking of origins the first thing i ever got published what, what, what was the story what was the story about i think i wrote an article about our book club and what it had grown to mean to me as far as like learning about community and but yeah i think i wrote an article about book club in 2006 2005 Six, uh, 2006, seven, eight is when we yeah. published Radiant Magazine. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? Three years. And it was way well, you'd love that magazine. It was one of the best things we did. We just couldn't find that breakout audience. Yeah. You know, it had a very loyal subscriber base yeah. and it just, we couldn't get it to the point where it could stand on its own two feet and we had to pull the plug. Uh, interesting. I, a lot of people who are into like, design and anthropology type stuff. There's a company called Rifle Paper Company that does amazing like cards and things like that. And uh, they're known for a very distinct kind of painting style of design yeah, and stuff. It's gorgeous. Anna Bond is Rifle. Anna Bond was our designer for yeah. Radiant. She did Radiant Magazine. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We hired her from, or we, she was graduating Liberty University and we moved her down here when we were starting Radiant. She designed every issue of Radiant and we had when we had to fold Radiant, her position was terminated. But she was one of my favorite designers, and it stunk that we just didn't have a place. Yeah. And she went and was doing some freelance um, our illustration stuff, and uh, then decided to like start doing note cards. And it became Rifle Paper Company, a huge company now. I mean, like, yeah, you know, probably she's I don't no even, joke. You know, yeah. probably twenty, thirty million dollars a year. It's crazy. So hey. Yeah. 
There's a lesson in there, folks. Yeah, there is. <laughs> and, and, you know, actually, Tyler, I remember your, it was around 2004, 2005, your first article for Relevant actually came in. It was Puka Shell Necklaces Here to Stay. Here to Stay. It's a good piece. Good piece. We invested a lot in running that uh, on the cover and. Uh, I, you haven't really brought back the fashion beat since then, which has been confusing <laughs> to me. I still would love to bring it back. Cargo shorts and puka shells. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it was Freddie Perez Jr., our, gener- our Robert Redford. And again, it was... We believed in it at the time. It really started something. I'll tell you what. I have so much respect for Freddie Prince Jr., but on Instagram, <laughs> he looks like he... I mean, he's older. He's old. And you, every time you see him, you go like, Holy cow! Do I do I look like that? Hold Am on, hold like on. That? When you say he's old, you make some. You make Freddie Perez Jr., who I honestly haven't thought about until <gasps> that reference just now. Like <laughs> it, it's interesting. Luckily, Here, okay, I, I want to unpack. Up with him on I, hold, on, hold on, I want to unpack a couple things right there, Annie. <laughs> because she started with. I follow Freddie Perez Jr. on Instagram and I respect Prince. the heck out of it. Like, like, first off, if there's one man, if there's one man that deserves our respect, it's, it's Freddie, Freddie Perez Jr. Prince Let me first Jr. say that. Not the senior. Senior's gone. Yeah. I don't think you need to qualify any critique of Freddie Prince Jr.'s aging process with, I respect the guy. Like, we all understand that he so ages. It's bad talking about someone looking old. He just, it just, it, it's it, shocking. It, he looks like a, a cool grandpa. I mean, it's. Thank, thank you. Are you looking at him right now? I'm looking now? at Google images now of Freddie Prince Jr. And, he, and then, like, the ones that pop up are from the movies that we all remember in the late 90s and early 2000s. He's, he's only 42. He's not, it's not like. And he talked to you. with him as his, as his, if he's like this relic of Hollywood. <laughs> like, it, you know. I mean, Cameron said it, though. He just, he. I think he's thinner. I think he must work out a lot. I'm trying to couch a lot of these feelings with, uh, Compliments. He may. He, he just looks very hold on, old. Hold on. I just want to know. I just want to know before we dig further. Do you respect him? I respect him. Does he I have your respect him as an actor, as an American citizen, as a father, as a husband? I respect him. He just has aged, and it stresses me out. I'm. I'm shocked. I know. Thank you. <laughs> He does. I will say this. He's 42. If you were to tell me he's 52, I'm like, I could see that. If you were to tell me he was 58, I could see that. Like he, yeah, I mean, he could occupy a wide range of ages. Thank to you. Me. I'm so glad you are seeing it too. I just, yeah, I was really shocked the other day when I saw him on Instagram. I was like, wowie zowie. I'm still a little, I'm, can I ask Annie when you decided to start follow him, following him on Instagram? I don't, I don't follow him. I just stalk him. I don't follow him. I just you stalk can, him. You, you're allowed to follow him. It's free country. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we know we know that this is a man you respect a lot. <laughs> sure, sure, you know? sure. And I do tend to you follow don't respect him respect. enough to even follow him. Then I have some real questions about whether or not you should be but speaking. I, I'm curious. <laughs> here's what's here's what's curious to me. Hey, look at your phones. Look at your phones. Do you see that? All right. I just see, got a text. gosh, right? Yeah, it's it's. It's shocking. It's shocking. How old he looks. Here's what's curious to me is that I can make one offhanded reference. He's 42. He's my age. He looks 10, 15 years older than me. Yeah, he does. He does, Cameron. To me, it's just not shocking. I'm just not surprised. Oh. Well, I don't know. Because he he, like partied hard. Is that what you think? No, he was always I think I I heard he has some sort of like Benjamin Button type of disorder. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's what I heard. That's the rumors. That's I follow. That's like you listen, heard, I, I said follow, that in my audiobook, Jesse. That's not what you follow. That's wait, not like right a reverse answer. Benjamin Button, where he's aging in a normal chronological something's order, not, but just more right. rapidly. It's a, they don't know. They don't know. It's linked to Benjamin Button's disease, um, which is very rare from my understanding. Um, where babies are born old men and age in a way that we're confused about. Um, I mean, I think they have a lot of kids. Freddy and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, don't they have a lot of kids? They, they like, could. Wait, they're they married? Family life. I know, all I know is this. Here's what I do know, is that he's simultaneously becoming an old man and a baby at the same time. Science doesn't know. They know, they know that he has that disease, though. Can we get him on the show and just ask him why he looks so old? Not anymore, oh, we can't. That's Not mean. I don't think the, I don't think the Freddy Prince Jr. team is going to be amenable. Yeah, thanks. We just lost our next cover, Annie. <laughs> it, it, it was it was Freddie Perez Jr. A medical mystery. Prince. You keep saying Perez. It's Freddie Prinz Jr. Prince. Prince. Do you know Freddy how many Prince people Jr. would buy the magazine if Freddie Prince Jr. was on the cover? You would have an influx. It's called. It, it's the cover story is called Freddie Prince Jr. versus Father Time: A Weird Benjamin Button Disease <laughs> and Investigation. <laughs> Remember God. Remember God. Uh, remember, remember God. <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. did not remember God. I do like I do like that he and he and Sarah Michelle Gellar, he and Buffy the Vampire Slayer seem like they have a good thing going. Yeah, That's good it. for them. They have a lot of kids. That, yeah. They have a lot of kids. Too many. Yeah, they like seem how many? like they're just a happy couple that was famous for a long time and now are just living their lives. Yeah, I mean, at the same no time, shame too. And they've had lots of success. by strangers for how they I age. Get, I want to get the two of them into True Detective Season 4. Like, their big, gritty comeback role to get. Just to, like, just to... <laughs> that on their seems luck, to be detectives. the strategy with that show, right? Yeah. Brilliant. Well, it was, like, Vince Vaughn, and then, like, you know, that, that led to the McConaissance a yeah, few years ago. Yeah, that was the ago. first real McConaissance. Now we've yeah. got Mahershala Ali. He doesn't really need a career reboot. He's doing fine. But but in general, if we're going to do another one. Did you guys come up with the word reconnaissance? Because that is unbelievably oh, no, no, no. That was, good. That was, in the, that was in the lexicon, I feel like, what, about five years ago, Tyler? That was, yeah. True Detective Season 1 launched the reconnaissance. He had like Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club, Club and then he had uh, yeah. that one where he like was like a grown up Tom Sawyer that lived on that island. What was that movie called? Mud. Mud. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. I want to see True Detective season season three or four. I don't know what season they're on. Who cares? I want to see Larry and Balky, but it's not it's oh. not the actors. It's not like Bronson, Wait, not whatever. The actors? No, no, no. It, it's a weird crossover thing where Larry and Balky are now. They're probably in their sixties and they're still roommates. Okay, they're still roommates and they've relocated to the Bayou and both become private investigators. And that's the plot of season. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it sounds weird. I guarantee you people would watch it. I guarantee yeah. you. They don't take enough risk. I'm talking about Balky and Larry. I guarantee their, oh their careers would be in a different place if they were to take more risk like this. Man, that show is the first time that I'd ever seen apartment living. Cause I, you know, I grew up in suburban Atlanta and, and I, it was the first time that I'd ever seen anyone go to a basement to wash clothes that they all shared washers and dryers. And I was like, what is this other life <laughs> where all these people live in a building together and share washer dryer? Okay. I just sent you guys pictures of they have not aged as well as Freddie Prince Jr. I will say, they, hey, well, okay, hold right, on. Hold on. I, I, I want to give context real here. Yeah, I want to yeah. give context here. 
Okay, so Cameron has sent a picture of <laughs> of Larry Balky in character of what appears to be a promo f- shot from the original, one, like for sure, Perfect yeah, Strangers, season yeah. one, yeah, a Perfect Stranger. So in it, Balky is is kind of playfully <laughs> hugging Larry from behind, and Balky looks like you remember him, like Borat with a mullet, because that was yeah. the character. Yeah. It was an yeah. early and it's Borat. Like Larry is sitting down, and Balky is hugging him and standing over him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And Larry uh, has this look of what have I gotten myself into? I've never seen this show. I have no idea what you guys are. Perfect Strangers. I've never seen it. I'm right there with you. I don't know these names. What? I don't know these faces. You've never seen Perfect Strangers? 1990s TGIF. I have no idea. No. I thought Larry Balky was like one person. I okay, like, so oh, Larry, Larry and Balky. Cousin Larry and Balky were in Perfect Strangers, which was a show on TGIF in the era of like Family Matters. And I, yeah, I mean, that it, was it, a classic. It, it but straddles. They also, Family Matters did reruns for a long time. I feel like this was when it was off the air, it was over. You know what I mean? Like, this is not a rerun show. Having a show about a clueless, you know, foreigner that can barely speak English, uh, <laughs> and, and most of the jokes are at his expense, right. yeah. uh, right, was probably right. not the greatest idea. A little right. bit problematic. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but it was like Hogan family to Family Matters. You throw a little perfect strangers in there to straddle it. Right. You know, like, yeah. that's the arrow we're talking gotcha. about. Yeah. But... But in, anyway, in the picture from what I can only assume is recent, they're in the same position with Balky <laughs> hugging him from behind. I'll say this. Balky looks like he's been hit in the weight room. Balky does. Yeah. Balky yeah. looks yeah. like he's aged pretty gracefully. Like, well, Balky does. I told you last year there was a short run on the DIY network where Balky was renovating farmhouses in right. Pennsylvania. <laughs> so he's a contractor now. He's a construction guy. He's got the arms to prove. It. And mm-hmm. I'll say this: Larry looks like a, a a very old scientist from an '80s movie. Like yeah. he looks like yeah. your eye doctor. <gasps> <laughs> he looks like he looks like an optometrist that's just about to retire. We need to post. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> we need to post all these photos on the podcast yeah. episode page at the at relevantmagazine.com. That's really funny. Yeah, we'll, we'll and we do. do a, uh, still, then we respect now. all these men and their acting abilities. We respect uh, per, them. Uh, We'll, we'll do a then and now of Freddie Prince Jr. And we'll do a then and now of Cousin Larry and Balky. You know, what's, uh, on, cr- on you know what's crazy is the celebrities who go the opposite way, like Pharrell. Like Pharrell has looked the same for 20 years. Like when the first like any RD music video came to like, you know, when he wore shorts to the Grammys, no time had passed for Pharrell. He right. is like stuck at like 30 forever. Yeah, I think the ones that are kind of interesting are the ones who like grow older at a normal rate for the first 50 or 60 years and then stop like Sir Patrick Stewart. That guy has looked, (laughs) he's like, he's old, but he's always been old. Maggie Smith is another one. Like Patrick Stewart has looked the same. When I was a little kid, I was like, oh, that's an old man. And now I'm 33 years old. Patrick Stewart is still the same old man that he was when I was a little kid. How old was Patrick Stewart when the first Star Wars, like, what was it? Um, Generation? I don't know. uh, I don't know. I mean, he, I have no idea. All I know so he's I, bald, in my mind, wearing a red sweater. When I was a little sweater. kid, I was like, oh, he's like 60-something. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, he, he is like a commander. Obviously, that bald, you know, yeah, older guy right. is a commander of a, of a star fleet in the future. I get it. But you're right. He, you could put him back in that red sweater, and I would not know the difference between Patrick Stewart when I was a kid to now, you know? It's it's like and it's great like that's how that's fine that's a he's a good looking guy he seems like he's living a, a he's seems like he's living his best life yeah but that's weirder to me than the people who just seem to age really slowly like a like a Pharrell situation or a Paul Rudd is the ones who are normal until or a certain age point and then they stop 
and God just says no more. It's true with Paul well, Rudd. I mean, think Martin. about okay, so Paul. Okay, but then like uh, Morgan Freeman. I mean, he's always yeah. looked the same. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, yeah. that's Kidding. another one. Yeah, Betty White. Yeah, I I, I don't know that I could I tell. So. I don't know that yeah. if I could tell Golden Girls Betty White from today's Betty White. That's what if I'm saying. I'm just looking at them. Yeah, I mean that. I was watching it the other day, and she looks exactly the same. Yeah. Wilford yeah. Brimley and Hook and and Hook like 1990s Hook when Maggie Smith is laying in bed like decrepit old Wendy at death's door <laughs> just about to pass to the great beyond yeah. sees Peter Pan for the last time that she's still doing the same roles today. Hook came out during the George W. Bush era. <laughs> You know what's weird? You know what's weird is like, remember when Elijah Wood was in like kids' movies when we were young? Like he did like North and those. You remember those movies? Yeah. I feel like Elijah Wood's always kind of looked the same. Like he always been Hobbit like. He's always yeah. been Hobbit like. Yeah. But yeah. even today, You're from right, like Jesse. seventeen to today, he never he 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 looks Middle Earthian in a way that is ageless. You know. But what if he Freddie really, Prince like, Juniors really and all of a sudden he advances from seventeen to fifty four? That's what's going to happen is one day we're going to see a picture and be like, my word, (laughs) Elijah Wood is a (laughs) hundred. Every day I see a picture of Pharrell, I get a little nervous at first because I'm like, the spell's going to break. Yeah, <laughs> like, like the ruck, his luck's going to run out, and it's going to be a dark day for all of us. Yeah, I saw a picture the other day of Oprah, and she looks exactly like she. I mean, she looks fantastic. She looks yeah. like she yeah. looked thirty years ago. Yeah, Michael Caine, he's always looked old. Michael Caine's another one. Yeah, he's been old for a long time. Because I remember watching him on <laughs> The Muppet Christmas Carol when I was a little kid, yes. which was a really beloved movie in the Huckabee household. Same, same. And, the uh, even then, like when you're a little kid, everybody who's, if you're over 35, you're old when you're a little kid. But he had gray hair and he was wrinkled. And but also when you're a kid, there's like grown up old and there's grandparent old. Yeah, that's true. There's Michael two Caine was categories. A old. Right. He was already grandparent. But what's crazy is like a lot of, you know, I, we, I think everyone's kind of a aware of all the stuff like happening in Washington right now and a lot of these news shows will like feature uh, like clips from hearings with a lot of the same like politicians <laughs> yeah, from like 25 true. years ago from like from like the Clinton impeachment years you know what I mean like I don't mm-hmm. know that that was probably 20 25 years ago or something like that and a lot of these like old senators still look like old senators back then it's the same right. person I'm like how is this person always an old senator like it, it, by my math, that person in that picture is 35 years old, but he looks like that same grouchy old guy that I'm watching today. Like, <laughs> what happened? What happened? And sometimes they forget about that online because you get, uh, you'll get in like debates with people, political debates, and I'll get something like, well, were you this concerned during the Bill Clinton impeachment? And I was like, Bill Clinton impeachment, man, I was nine right. years old. I was playing Pokemon Blue. Don't tell don't ask you to be concerned like, about what... I feel like I saw a picture of like Bernie Sanders like speaking out against the Vietnam War and he looked like Bernie Sanders running for president. I'm like, what happened? How did this happen? How did you... How did ages... How did ages 30 through 50 55 go by in a in you know you you age over the course of a year all those decades at 55 through how old you are now is is you know just slowly yes. going by it's it's fascinating i don't know i don't know tommy lee jones always old think about you 90s have a good list going cameron the well fugitive. done you guys have been talking about sitting here thinking about all these like 1990s movies the where they're where they're old and then they're oh they still look like that <laughs> Well, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, here's someone Walken. who is aged normally, Harrison Ford. 
Harrison Ford is like progressively aged as long as he's been aging. Right. Mel Gibson. That's true. Mel Gibson, no. normal aging. Normal aging. I, yeah. I, you know, my thing, I'm always distracted Clooney. when George when Clooney. I see when I see modern day Harrison Ford, though, and I can't I can't look at his his normal I age. I, all I see is that earring. The earring. <laughs> I knew that's what you're going to say. Like a gold diamond stud. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it, it's 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 a very interesting fashion choice, but I'm glad he's just going for it. And you that know? Allie like, McBeal is his like wife, like for years and years. You just think about Harrison Ford with an earring and Allie McBeal. What a weird combo. Yeah. It was also kind of nice to see Mark Hamill return in uh, in The Last Jedi because he he's he's been doing a lot of voice acting work, but you don't really see him act all that much. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he just looks like a normally aged human being. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he's, he looks a little bit older. He seems like he, he's had a good life. He's put on a few pounds and he just seems like and that's what I expect from my celebrities is just normal, <laughs> non-mysterious, very, like, scientifically aging. plausible. That, that's like that's the sort of model we should be holding up for youth in, a, in yeah, America. If today. you need to, if you need to get one diamond stud earring, you know, Christopher Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd. That's a good one. Chandler Doc from Doc from yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. always he been was, Doc. He was he was seventy in the eighties. Yeah. Have you ever seen him and Bernie Sanders in the same room together? <laughs> I was say, if you <laughs> found out, if you found out that Bernie Sanders secretly was moonlighting in his early career and it was actually Doc, I don't think anyone would be shocked. You know, or any of them want to be on the cover of a very exciting pop culture faith magazine because the. Freddie Prince Jr. cover is looking a little less likely now. Man, I'm going to have my feelings so hurt when Freddie Prince Jr. talks about how I age on the internet. Freddie Perez Jr. stuck in time. <laughs> Quiz and Perez. Story. Who you is this Freddie Perez, Perez Jr.? He's talking about someone else. he's been saying the whole time, Jesse Cameron? keeps saying Freddie Perez Jr. Le- hey, Cameron, I will say that, no, Cameron, legally, I can't call him Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. I have to call him Perez for legal reasons. I'm trying to cover us here. <laughs> if, <laughs> I didn't want to blow it up, but great. Now, you know, that loophole's closed legally. I had, Cameron, you had plausible deniability Until up that to one now moment. that we were maligning a real, a real actor. Yeah. Oh, Thanks funny. a lot. All right. Thanks well, uh, moving the show along, it's time for Slices. Slices. All right. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Uh, so there is a, a new trend that may be, uh, coming to televisions everywhere. Um, so, uh, the, do you guys watch Black Mirror at all? I think we've talked about yeah. the show before. I don't, but I love when you tell me about it. Okay. Cameron, have you ever seen Black Mirror? I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, uh, not all of them, but some of them. But they yeah, all so stand alone, kind of. That's so. me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I saw so like they're standalone. Like the best way to describe it is like a modern day uh, Twilight Zone that has to do with like technology. Um, uh, they're, they're all, yeah, bottle episodes, essentially. I'm so scared of everything you tell me about it. So I'd rather you just tell me than watch it. Well, it, it does freak you out about the ethical ramifications of technological advancement and how rapidly it's happening. And so it like jumps ahead a little bit. It's like yeah. this could be the outcome of the, you know, the, the un- unintended consequences of kids growing up addicted to the internet and devices. This is the unintended consequences of AI. This is, un- and it's like, yeah. it's, it actually could be terrifying if yeah. you had, it very rarely leaves you feeling better about the future. Oh, no. it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. But the crazy thing is the, we talked about this. I heard the, the showrunner, the creator, the writer on NPR, and he's an optimist. He was yeah. like, no, I'm hopeful for the future. You know, I'm, I tell these stories as almost like a wake up call that we as, 
humanity as, as civilization should be talking about these things because we don't want unintended consequences. But I always am hopeful for tomorrow, which is crazy because you would think you'd be very much a pessimist. That, was not, that would not be my takeaway from his right. show. But I know it's good to hear. Well, Tyler, I have, good, I have good news for you when it comes uh, okay. to that. If you don't like how uh, current episodes of Black Mirror end up, you, you may soon um, be able to do something about it because future episodes of the show uh, that are in production now, will uh, you will be able to choose how the episodes proceed. The uh, Several what? future episodes of Black Mirror will be choose your own adventure interactive episodes uh and so at various points in the show you will decide what the character does and then at a different kind of crossroads you will make the decision for the character there and again throughout the the show until it's over so you've i'm sure you've seen like movies or especially like horror movies or something where you're looking, why would you? Why, don't split up. Why would you split yeah, up? Yeah, you, you see the character making a decision. You're like, that was right. a terrible decision. I never would have done that. This would have been way better if they would have gone left instead of right. Well, the, that's the idea with these new shows, uh, these new episodes, is that you'll actually be able to kind of dictate how the story plays out and see the consequences of your own moral decisions, not just the characters. Um, and so the idea is it's a way to get people, uh, like more engaged in the show. So right now that people, you know, these TV producers know that they're competing against, you know, what they call the second screen, right? A lot of people are goofing around on their cell phones while they're watching something. And they know that the shows that will endure are ones that really have people engaged, aren't ones that are just like put on in the background that no one's paying attention to. Um, but the ones that are, are, are really going to be valuable to advertisers potentially are ones that have their eyeballs the whole time. So one way they're trying to figure out how to keep those eyeballs is to do these interactive choose your own adventure series. So uh, the first ones to do it are going to be these brand new episodes of Black Mirror that are currently in production. But now Netflix has said they might do a couple of choose your own adventure style movies that aren't just for kids. Like these are going to be, you know, high end action movies and, you know, more like PG 13 adult oriented or grow. I shouldn't say adult-oriented, grown-up-oriented content. That might be under works, too. I don't know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't research. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, you know, uh, you guys obviously, you know, are consumers of, of TV and movies. Do you think this is something that you'd be interested in or just a kind of a weird gimmick? Yeah, I just don't. I want to understand how it works. How will we do that? Just to push yeah. a button? Probably just to put, like, yeah, a pause yeah. I, th- or, I think uh, I think a um a menu will come up, and then you will. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So a different. So like the I the if scene. You go back and look at all of the different options. You know, because that mean? was the thing about those books is like I would I would put my thumb where I was yeah. and I'd flip yeah. over yeah. to the flip one. Forward, of course you would, and then flip to the other one and go. No, I'm going to pick the right one. It's like a maze. <laughs> yes, you know, I know there's a dead end on this one. I'm going to go to the other one. You can't do that if you're just watching it linear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I mean, I guess hypothetically, you could go ahead and watch, um, you know, all the different outcomes, you, you know, after you make Probably your first goal. choice. Like that, that's yeah. more time for them in front of the screen, which is a good deal for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually think it's, it's you know, kind of smart because the other thing, too, is like... Um, Let's say, well, the, what's interesting is it probably won't work for, um, 
like serialized show. Like I couldn't, you couldn't do it with like Breaking Bad. That's because right. It would have to be what, a what, movie. Yeah. What what happened in like yeah. a previous episode dictates the 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 upcoming episodes. It, it would just seem like it would get way too confusing to do it that way. Yeah. But yeah. it would make you want to go back and rewatch stuff and watch them with alternate endings and all. Yeah, it sounds like something really fun to do with your friends or like with your family. You know, to sit down and make the decision together. And everybody go, okay, what do we think should happen next? I think that sounds really fun. Yeah. Isn't this base isn't this just blurring the lines between a TV show and a video game, but from the other direction? Oh, that's interesting. Because video games have been doing that for a while, moving towards more narrative content and trying to compete yeah. with movies. Uh, and it's, I guess it's not surprising to see TV shows and movies trying to move more that direction and incorporate more of an interactive component. Yeah, it's like the, um, I mean, we did, I don't want to give too much away, but we talked about this a little bit in the, in the coming issue of the magazine. But I mean, there, there are lots of video games where the decisions that you make early in the game will dictate how your character is treated later in the game. That, you know, morality is either, um, rewarded or punished based on the decisions you make. Like there are hundreds of different outcomes depending on all the choices you make. So yeah, it is an interesting merger of the two. Um, but it still maintains a somewhat passive experience where video game is totally non-passive. You I'm know? into it. If, right. it do, if it doesn't interrupt the, if it doesn't pull me out of the experience too much of watching a, a show, then, then if they can make it seamless and feel organic to the experience, then, then I'm definitely want to try it. You know, I actually heard the reboot of Perfect Strangers is going to be like this. And you can choose episode one if, if Larry lets Balky into the apartment and accepts him into the life. If you do, the rest of the episodes are hilarious mischief that, the, right. that these unlikely pair get in trouble. If you choose no, it's just Larry sitting in the apartment most of the time. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. I'm kind of excited about the reboot. All right. What do you have, Tyler? All right. Well, I, uh, I hope He's everybody's just sitting there. <laughs> I have this is a uh, this is sort of a depressing slide. Well, I sit down if you're uh, if you're listening to this because uh, this made me feel not great about my own life and, and what the ways I'm I'm choosing to live it. But the oh U.S. State Census Bureau has put together uh, an estimated time frame of how much time we spend. The average American will spend sitting in traffic. Over the course of their lives. Oh gosh, um, Lord help us! <laughs> so there's a, there's good news and bad news here. Uh, the bad news is that it is actually increasing. Uh, we've seen a significant jump in the amount of time that Americans spend in there are going to be spending in traffic since the year 2000. A pretty a pretty healthy jump. Um, does anybody does anyone want to take a stab? Anyone try to take a guess at it? Jesse, I think I sent might have sent you oh. a spoiler alert. Is it this- over a year? Is that what you're saying, Tower? Is that the measurement oh, yeah. of time? Oh, yeah. Over How a year. How much are we going to sit in traffic? Uh, I know the Nashville commute is 20 minutes, so 40 minutes a day, maybe. Gosh, over a year, so 300 for me, hours? It's like a month. Oh. <laughs> Guys, this is why I told you I'm glad we're all sitting down. Two hours a day for oh, me. Gosh. Reading, reading right here. The average American commuting to and from an urban center will spend 42 hours sitting in traffic. That's awful. A year, two full days, almost two full days of your year. Yeah, a week of work time just sitting there in traffic. I, yeah. Well, I, I think one thing, though, is like you, the advent of like podcasts has made traffic not too bad. Like, I don't even really mind. That's like, yeah, if, you know, like, I agree. if I'm listening yeah, to something, I like. Use the time to catch up on your on your feed. Yeah. yeah. Every now and then, I'll even like kind of take the long way. It's like, well, I got an extra 10 minutes. I'm five minutes from the house. I've got an extra 10 minutes on the podcast. Not. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to no, finish hey, it. Hey, yeah. no, legit. There'll be times if I'm listening to something interesting, I'm like, I am going to do like another lap around the neighborhood. See I've how done this wraps yeah, up. I do, it. I do it not infrequently. I just sit in my driveway. I don't, you know, keep driving. I'll just stop. Yeah. It's called the driveway moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're listening yeah. to this work and What, what I do is yeah, I just exactly. pull up in some stranger's driveway if I'm really interested. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I get emotional. I'm just weeping in somebody's driveway. It's a fantastic story. I've done it numerous you times. You to my audiobook, huh? Yeah. Remember, God, you know, in chapter five, where you go on that impromptu, Kind of unsettling rant about things that I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get into right now. Uh, I just started blasting the horn in solidarity with your rage right in front of a park yeah. full of parents and children. <laughs> we all have these moments, and I spent I spent ten of those forty two hours sitting right there ranting like a madman, right as long with you at that playground. I'm the, same, I'm the same way about podcasts, and I used to be that way about books when I was younger. Like I never wanted to like stop reading a book to dry my hair to get ready in the morning. And now it's the same is true with podcasts. When I'm listening in the morning, I don't ever want to like, Oh, I've got to pause it to dry my hair. I've got to pause it to do this. Yeah. And I don't, I don't ever want to. I think it's, I, I love the medium. I think it is so fun. But, but what, but I feel like there's a generation right now that's probably we're, we're just born or, 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 you know, toddlers right now that might not ever have, like they'll probably just be in like super chill, like sleeping pods, right. That are just drive them. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I don't think it's, that far away where you just get into like a self-driving car and you just chill out and do whatever you want like traffic signing would be a yeah. big deal in like a generation i agree i can't wait i can't wait either just to sit down and then something takes you to the place and you don't have to pay attention yeah you just play yeah. candy crush you don't the have to pay attention time. you can do whatever you want you can just watch a movie and play candy crush like it's that's I mean, that's the life I'll move out to the suburbs so I have to have me time. Yeah, it's like a little yeah. personal pod where you just like have some me time. Exactly. It's, it's you awesome. ever lived in a place where you were public transit dependent? <laughs> Hold on. Let me just say this. Let me just say this, Tyler. I've had some really close calls playing Candy Crush while driving, so I cannot wait for the pod situation. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I literally have. I have almost. I Aaron. buy cars that have the alert and will like stop itself before it'll hit another car because I oh, no. drive around distracted a lot. And, this is, is going to be they, like, it'll stay in its own lane in the courtroom. In yeah. the courtroom. <laughs> no, no, no. It stays like it'll like blah, 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 and it'll like stay in its lane and then it'll like slow itself down and whatever. Like I'm yeah. Rumble ramps are there for a reason, Tyler. And that's so that you can hit them going 80 because you were looking down uh, you know, at at a hilarious gift someone sent you while driving down the interstate. That, yeah. that people know this. That's why they're there. Lighten up, Tyler. <laughs> Have any of you ever lived in a place where you were public transit dependent? Like you, like you were there, you lived for an extended period of time in a place where you were used public transit every day. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. When I lived in Edinburgh, it, I, I was dependent on public transfer. I, I kind of miss that. It. Like, is that fun? Cause you read and listen yes, to stuff. It's awesome. I got I so much reading done. Yeah. yeah. You, just, you grab a book and you're, you're just reading there and you're kind of like with the mess of humanity. It, it's, it's bad. It, it's, it smells bad. It's noisy. It's dangerous sometimes, but the books you read, I mean, and also the other thing that happened for me, Tyler is it made me, I had to plan and have more space in my life because a bus was going to take me 25 minutes. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so the, I, everything just was slower in my life because I now if I need to run to the grocery store, if I'm going to a friend's house, I wait until the last second to leave wherever I am, drive as fast as I can without getting in a wreck or getting a ticket to get there as quick as I can. And just to, you know, but when you're on public transportation, you're like, I don't, I can't speed this thing up. So I've got to build in this time. It, it, it was a beautiful um pause in my life it was it was a really good thing for me and i really can't collect my 
generally like in a commute, if I'm driving to the grocery store or something, then I'm not going to take that time to like collect my thoughts or pray or like make right, sure that I'm doing right. it, you know, because you're like, you're going really fast. It's 10 minutes. There's traffic. There's, there's like people are running across the street. Uh, there's there's musicians here in Nashville that are throwing their hats out and asking to throw quarters yeah. in there. It's, I, have a fun, I will say this to break up the time. I have a fun game that I play sometimes. I see how long I can yeah, close my eyes. Time. The record is 15 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> 15 what, solid. The, what makes you open your eyes? Usually it's a horn blasting. Uh, <laughs> I veered into on you keep your eyes closed till you hear a horn. I feel like if there was like aliens looking down on us though, like they would feel like we're moving backwards, like in transportation technology. Technology, not towards future self-driving chill pods because like <laughs> right now it's like electric scooters are popping up like if you were to look they're like there's no way that they're uh, moving towards pods there more of them are driving these dangerous little scooters everywhere like it uh-huh. just doesn't seem like we're i mean i think we are moving in that direction but I, I don't know i mean i guess the 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 scooter thing you know some people like but i i feel like you know, it's 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 moving backwards technologically. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I kind of like the little scooters. They're kind of fun. I do too. They're not, they're, they're not. I would. I don't know about convenient, but it feels like you have a magic carpet. Like I can do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I well, my record for closing my eyes on that is thirty seconds, and I was just screaming, <laughs> just blasting down a one way road. All right. What do you have, Annie? So let's talk about being a, a foot traffic kind of person versus a car traffic kind of person. I saw this article this week that kind of ruined my life that did y'all know that most of the buttons that we push in elevators, at crosswalks, and the thermostat in hotel rooms actually do not work? What? What, what does that mean? Yes. Actually, and here's the actual stat. In New York City, there are a thousand crosswalk buttons and only 100 of them actually do anything. The rest of them are like they're called placebo buttons where they are literally now they may change the little thing you see where it says wait or it tells you like it makes a sound at you. But it actually does not affect the change in traffic or make it so that that walk sign is going to turn on. It's going to turn on either way. 900 out of a thousand times in New York City. And then also then the elevator buttons, when it set, when you have the one you want to push to close the door, there actually is a, a federal law that says how long the elevator has to stay open in case there's a handicapped or disabled person trying to get in or out. That actual mm-hmm. close button is only for the firemen and emergency people to use with the key that you see them turn to get them to what? open and close the door. But I mean, the open one works. I mean, the door open works because it starts to close. You hit it and it opens. I mean, sure. yeah, but but not sure. the close. Not the close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. I've and always if, suspected that on elevators because really? when I see when I jump on an elevator and I see people running towards it, I am pushing that close as fast as I can. I like the elevator to be my personal transportation yeah. pod. I need yeah. a little me time, and I don't need them. I'm pressing the button and it never works. Yeah. I've always suspected that, Annie. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and that's like, fascinating. Why don't they just but not- you know what it says overall. The article says overall that having these placebo buttons actually have a net positive effect on our life. 
because even if they don't work, especially the ones at crosswalks, even if they don't work, at least they cause us to stop and consider before crossing. And they give everybody a sense of control. And so giving us a sense of control is enough to make us feel better, even though literally only 100 out of a thousand work in New York City. But and that's a it's it's everywhere. It's not just New York. That's just where they did the uh, this particular article research researches. But it also says Boston, Dallas and Seattle have gone through a similar process with where the buttons stop working and they don't make they don't fix them and they just they become placebo buttons. Um, you know what also works? Closing your eyes and just drifting and just through there on a, on, a, on a bird scooter. Just get <laughs> just going. Four away. We're going to have to a note here, Chandler, uh, you can you can cut out this entire slice, actually, because me and my wife have been debating this for years. She says those buttons don't actually work. They don't do anything. And I've been telling her that they definitely do. Why would they make buttons just to give people an illusory sense of control over their life? That doesn't sound like our government at all. No. And I would really rather she not know that she was right the whole time. So we let's just, make a hard just, cut yeah. Let, let's start. Let's take it from my slice and what we'll is find something else real fast. And get right, to right, right. Hurry. Someone's going to any a slice that will not all make right, time for a question. Of the week. Here we go. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. That's good. Stay tuned. Up next, Scott Harrison joins us. You're listening to the 1975. The song is Sincerity is Scary. Sounds like they read mm. Remembering God. Remember God, <laughs> colon, Sincerity is Scary. That's actually the closest to true that we have found of our stories. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Eve's Tumor. The song is Noid. That's the chapter I made up in Remembering God that I sent an audio file to. It's a short horror story uh, about a tumor that comes to life uh, <laughs> in the book of Genesis. It's, uh, it comes to Kim life. Ham, Kim Ham rebuked me. Kim Ham rebuked me for this. It's, it's, oh it's an God. alternative reading of the book of Genesis. Answers oh in Genesis gosh. is not happy with Eve's tumor. <laughs> Chapter 2 in Remembering God. <laughs> in the new book Thirst, Scott Harrison tells the incredible story of how he went from a hard partying nightclub promoter to the founder of one of the world's most innovative nonprofit organizations, Charity Water. 100% of Scott's net proceeds from the book's sales will fund clean water projects around the world. Here is our conversation with our friend, Scott Harrison. The beginning of the book tells some pretty dramatic stories about the nightclub years and kind of, you know, sets the the kind of groundwork for this pivot that happened. But without giving too much away that happens then, tell me a little bit about uh, and readers about like the moment you decided you needed to make a change in your life and what that experience was like. Yeah, it was it was really a couple moments. And the first moment, I think, was just. The, it was, you know, I've described it as the, the game of musical chairs where, you know, the music stops and I was left standing and everybody else was sitting. And, and I think I had been pursuing money, girls, uh, status, cars, watches, you know, all of the markers of success, you know, for, for 10 years. And 
I got enough of a taste of all of them, and I was surrounded in a situation with people who had far more. And so I was um, on this trip, and I was watching someone play $10,000 hands of Baccarat. Right? I mean, that, he, he had arrived, right? He's throwing away basically, yeah. you know, a car every four minutes. <laughs> yeah. And he was just completely indifferent. And I remember, you know, at that time, my, my girlfriend was in the cover of Fashion Mag. And, and so, like, you know, I, I couldn't really have had a, you know, I guess it was, there was always a top model. But I kind of, you know, I drove a BMW. I had a Rolex watch. I had a nice dog. I had a nice apartment. Um, you know, I had the status girlfriend. And then I was surrounded by people who were even richer and even had more. And I just, it was just this kind of cathartic realization that, Wow, there's never going to be enough, is there? You know, mm-hmm. this uh, th- this is a never-ending game. Uh, this this doesn't end well. And I, I think seeing how deeply unhappy I was, you know, achieving so many of the things that I'd been striving for, um, you know, these superficial markers of success, I guess you could call them, and um, seeing how unhappy everybody else around me seemed as well, was just this kind of arrested. Uh, it was just a moment for me. And, uh, you know, I I think a lot of this has to do with prayer. You know, my parents had been praying for me for 10 years. I mean, they were, I was the prodigal. I had gone rogue. I had taken everything that they tried to teach me, every shred of morality uh, and virtue that they had tried to instill in me. And I had, you know, squandered it. I had given them the middle finger. I had given faith and the church and God the middle finger and said, you know, it's it's my turn. Um, the proverb I kind of went so far away. So so I think there was this longing to come home, uh, and you know, getting to the end of this journey by myself, this journey of selfishness and, and decadence and sycophancy, just saying, "Wow, you know, could I come home?" And you know, on this trip in South America, I just started praying, crying out to God. I started trying to read the Bible again and this dense theological book that my father had sent me. And um, there was something so um, inviting, you know, so comforting. Um, and, and I guess the, you know, maybe a sense of grace that I actually could come home, you know, that I could wipe the slate clean and start again and start anew. And then that, you know, so moment one, really, I came back to New York City and the the sheen was gone. I still had to work three or four nights a week at the nightclubs, but now there was there was almost a sense of guilt, almost a sense of betraying the new intentionality, um, the new direction that I wanted to go in. And that was a little bit of, a, of an internal struggle for a period of months. And, and then I write about this more in detail in the book, but then there was just this one moment where um, I, I had a chance to kind of leave uh, nightclubs in New York uh, with a clean slate and just ask myself, what would the exact opposite of my life look like? You know, yeah. what's the, the opposite of the, I guess, the, the prodigal son, you know, with the prostitutes and the, and the pig pen, you know? What, what would it look like to, to live a very different life? And the only thing I could think of at the time was, what if I could dedicate one year to the poor? What if uh, I could tithe one of the 10 years that I'd selfishly wasted and, and see where that took me? Um, and I think, you know, as we've talked about before, no, nobody would take me at first and then yeah. <laughs> you know, I convinced one organization to, uh, to let me pay them $500 a month so that I could volunteer with them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, th- th- I love so much of the book because not only like entertain, but there are moments like that as a reader that it's really inspiring to see the kind of change that a person is able to make for someone that's like in that position right now that I- and that is, is even like reading the book and hearing your story. What would your advice be to them if they're like, man, I just got to make a change. Like I'm going down some dead ends. I've kind of you know walked away from faith, walked away from purpose. What would your advice be to them? Uh, what worked for me was a, a really clean break. I mean, I guess I'm an extreme person, and I did go out with a bang. I mean, I smoked my last three packs of cigarettes and you know, got fantastically drunk the night before I, I walked up the gangway of the, the mercy ship. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I had to go cold turkey. And, and, and that, you know, not not continuing to live with the ex-girlfriend, not continuing to, you know, smoke less or, you know, do less drugs. I mean, I just, it needed to be a clean break. I almost needed to experience the exact opposite. And it felt so good. And I really didn't, I didn't miss those things. Hmm. Uh, So I, I think what I see a lot is people try and make a change, but the change, you know, they're holding on to so much, the change only feels incremental to them and it's almost not worth changing. So, you know, I'd say the more radical, um, the more things you can give up, the more radical you can make that that switch, um, whether it's a morality switch, whether it's a, a job switch, whether it's a relationship switch. Uh, if, if you know that this stuff isn't good for you, try to walk away from all of it at the same time and, and see how that feels. Rather than, you know, one at a time, or, oh, I'm, I'm going to walk away from this vice and work on that for the next three months, but I'm going to keep the other nine. <laughs> and then, you know, okay, well, then I'll work on number two, but actually, uh, I didn't really get... Uh, the, the extremist just worked for me. In the book, you talk a little bit about... Um some skepticism that you sort of had towards, you know, charity based on, I think there was, there's a, there's a story you tell about throwing an event where you're going to give like a portion to a charity and it it ends up like one, (laughs) it's like 1% or something ends up going to the, to the charity, but you were able to like use the logo on the flyer. So, uh, you know, you had sort of a, I feel like what's honestly probably a healthy skepticism towards some, you know, charities and things. Can you talk a little bit about how Charity Water is different and how kind of your background and just being a little skeptical and being around people who are skeptical changed the model for you guys? I think in some ways, the one of the advantages uh, of starting the organization uh, was being completely unqualified. I mean, uniquely unqualified uh, on paper, right? I mean, a 28-year-old nightclub promoter uh, whose only experience uh, was throwing parties for, for a decade um, and getting people drunk, you know, wants to go be a humanitarian and then, you know, tackle the, the water crisis. I mean, come on, what a joke. Um, I think that actually turned out to be an advantage because I didn't have any of the trappings of the establishment. There was no bureaucracy. There was no, I really didn't know how things were supposed to be done. And as I just talked with my friends, as I talked with everyday people, you know, around my age, even people that were younger, I, I just took in their skepticism. I learned that these people were not giving to the Red Cross or the United Way or the Salvation Armies of the world. They, they thought that charities were black holes. They thought that charities were inefficient. They thought that charities overpaid everybody. They thought, uh, you know, so little of their money would actually reach 
the programs on the ground or the people on the ground that were being marketed to them to help that, uh, that they shouldn't give. And, you know, in some ways, just starting with a white piece of paper, I just said, well, what would the perfect charity look like? And we said, well, you'd know that 100% of your money would actually go to the cause. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be able to actually see where your money went. You know, if you were building schools, you'd see the schools. If you were building water projects, you'd see the actual well with clean water coming out of it and people drinking from it. Um, I said, okay. And, you know, the branding wouldn't suck. Right? It wouldn't look like it was 100 years old. It would look more like, like Apple or like Nike. And you know, we just started putting these pieces. Oh, and you wouldn't, send, you, know, you wouldn't send white Americans over to Kenya to go drill wells or to India. You would you know, raise the money, but then you would try and find the locals and train them and, and increase their capacity. They should be the ones that are actually doing the work in their own countries and getting the credit and, and leading you know, their communities and their countries forward sustainably. So just you know, almost as, a, as an iterative brainstorming, you know, there you had it, 100% model. Okay, let's create two bank accounts and let's make this promise to the public that whether they give $1 or a million dollars, 100% of that will only go to water projects. And then in the second bank account, somehow we're going to figure out how to try to make overhead sexy and cool. No idea how we'll do that, but let's go find a, a very different, smaller group to pay for all the overhead and treat them like investors. Okay, so there's a 100% model. Two, how do we just use technology that's available and technology as it, as it evolves to connect donors with the impact of what their money is doing around the world? And um, at, at first, it was just as simple as putting everything up on Google Maps, uh, where we said, if we have a thousand water points, we're going to prove them all to the public with photos of each and GPS coordinates, and you're going to be able to see satellite images of these. And, uh, you know, that nobody was doing that at the time. In fact, you know, I remember some of the critics were saying, well, why would you tell donors where your wells are? What if they went to them? What if they were broken? And we were like, well, we'd want to freaking know that they were broken. I mean, why are we doing this? We'd want to fix them. We would want that information. Uh, And I think we just believe that, you know, transparency would be the wave of the future and that charities wouldn't be able to hide. Uh, That, that, you know, that you should be accountable to the quality of your work. And I don't know. So just, it all just kind of came together and it, and, and, you know, it was so unique at the time to do all these things in that way that, you know, the growth was just explosive. And, you know, I remember you know, I read about this in the book that was, uh, it was a guy who, um, you know, turned up at a, at a party and, you know, I knew he was a weed dealer and he came to the Charity Waters first event and he dropped 500 bucks in the, the glass bucket and said, this is the first charitable gift I've ever given in my life. Wow. And I just remembered we were onto something. I mean, this guy trusted us. He trusted 500 bucks was going to go to the people of Uganda to help them get clean drinking water. And it was with such delight that we sent him and the other 700 people that came to that party the actual proof, you know, months later, the photos, the GPS, a video of six water projects that had been rehabilitated through the funds raised in that nightclub. It said, you did this. That was Scott Harrison. Go get thirst. Out today.
Hallelujah Here Below is Elevation Worship's newest album, and it's available now. In the Old Testament, God requests an altar to be built of imperfect stones. As living stones, He asks us to bring Him our rough edges and our broken pieces. That's what Hallelujah Here Below is all about. Worshiping God from wherever you are and knowing that He'll meet you there. You can find the album wherever music is available. And for more information on Elevation Worship, visit their website at elevationworship.com. You're listening to Marabou State. The song is Kingdom. Okay, uh, the last you know few weeks, we've, we've switched up our Listener of the Week segment, and we decided to... Uh, focus a little bit on um, life coaching. You know, our mm-hmm. listeners of the week had had their stuff figured out. They were living remarkable lives in some way. They're <laughs> fascinating people. But a lot of you were thought, "How can I kind of up my game to become listener of the week?" And we thought, right. "There's one way." Jesse can life coach you. Legally binding life coaching advice. <laughs> what I mean by is, if I say it, they have to do it. Right. They, they're oh, writing yeah? in what's their consent to, to do, okay. to take my advice up. So yeah, for the last few real. weeks, we've been doing uh, the this segment, Ask Jesse. You guys have been hitting us up on Twitter with the hashtag Ask Jesse, uh, giving us your life conundrums, things that you need his help with. Uh, and now it is time for some of the ones that caught our eye. There were some great questions this week. Unfortunately, we can uh, yeah. we can only do a handful, but there were some great questions this week on Twitter. Can I, can I do a little theater of the mind? I'm looking at Annie. You know, we all see each other recording. The entire introduction that Annie was shaking her head, like, please no, like, I do not approve of this. I, the author of Remember God does not approve. That's, that's what. I just, I was with us until we made it legally binding. And then I started feeling. I want to, okay, just to alleviate Annie's uh, concerns, I just want to say, None of this. I repeat, none of this is a joke at all. I, <laughs> you must do y'all know do this. when you were in elementary school or when you went to the dentist and you put your hand in the treasure chest because you thought you were going to get something awesome and something sharp would stab you? That's what I feel like happens every time we go into Jesse's brain. There is a chance we're going to get stabbed That's by something That's what happens every time I reach into my uh, center console armrest in my car. Yeah. I yeah, stick yeah, my yeah, hand down like there and Jesse's something brain. sharp pokes me. So I'm just always real careful before we go digging in here because I just... I love what exists in there, Jesse. I respect you. I respect you so much. You are acting like you, while I'm giving nuggets of wisdom and life giving, life giving life advice, you are accusing me of being like the bad Halloween candy that forces everyone to go get an X-ray. No, no, no. You're the you're the full bucket of Halloween candy. There's just a chance we're going to not a, get a there's Reese's. Just a, there's just a chance there's an apple with a rusty nail in it. That's all you're saying? That's it. That's, it. That's all I'm saying. Hey, don't That's eat, hey well, I got news for you. Just don't eat live fruit from, <laughs> from your neighbor. The only psycho would put raw fruit into a Halloween bag. It's problem solved. Let's hear the questions, Cameron. I'm Sorted. sick of this negativity right, dragging uh, me down. All right, Daryl Hovius hit us up and uh, asked Jesse, I'm going to be proposing to my girlfriend in the next couple of weeks. Oh, bless. Any advice to make it memorable? Wow. Propo- well, first off, uh, congrats. Daryl Hovian. Is that, is that is his name, Daryl? Um, Hovius. I, yeah, absolutely. Here's, here's advice number one. I've assumed Daryl has saved up for a ring for his fiance girlfriend. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think yeah. uh, it's safe to say uh, that that was probably the case. Here's my advice. That's something that I guarantee you remember. Don't give her a lame ring. For as much as that costs, oh, you gosh. could buy something awesome. You know what? It would probably 
mean more to her than getting a piece of jewelry that like you could buy a, ch- a cheap version of and very few people would know the difference. If you came like, you know, it's imagine this setting. Okay. You leave her a scavenger hunt of notes. Annie's already shaking her head. Annie, I don't need the negativity. <laughs> I don't need the negativity. Sorry. It's a scavenger hunt of notes that leaves to a romantic waterfront uh, 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 yard at sunset. There's a tire swing okay. right there. The, the final note is instructing her to swing on the tire string and look out over the water. It's serene. She doesn't know what's happening. All of a sudden, she hears blasting. Here I am! Rock you like a hurricane! Like, <laughs> what is happening? She's looking around. Who comes flying up in a tuxedo on a brand new two-person jet ski? You, that you sold the ring for and bought. And you, you're Prince Charming. You didn't get her a lame ring. You got her a jet ski for the engagement yeah. present. That's something she'll never forget. And I'd like to see her say no to that. I'd like to see it because no one's Is say- he going to get on his knee on a jet ski? Cause that's, that's cool. Yeah. Well, when he's riding, he's on one knee in the tuxedo. And that's when, right. okay. you know, he does that's something. Right. He sprays her with water and he, and he just <laughs> says, marry me. And he motions to her to jump on the back and they drive off he into the sunset on the jet ski. The end. The end. I like it. Uh, just, just so you guys know, Jesse has seen none of these questions. So every, <laughs> all of thing. this life advice. That's why we could get an apple with a razor blade dome. in it. Yeah. But so far, Reese's. So far, Reese's. Reese's. So, so far, that's the that's the weird chalky stuff that you got from the dollar store that no one likes. It's it'll do. It'll do. Jesse JP Job asks, my fifteen year old is learning to drive. How can I help make sure she's ready for anything when it's time for her drive solo? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Easy. I got a game that I do where I close my eyes when I'm driving down the highway and see how long I can do it. What you need to do, I'll tell you how you know she can drive well. She can drive well with her eyes closed. You're going to need to set up an obstacle course and train her to do it with her eyes closed. If she can, I think she's ready for the open road. That's, that's, you know, I feel like that, that's kind of a gimme. That was, that was, you put that one two inches from the cup there, Cameron. Right. So, yeah, I know. I know. Have her drive well, here's another one. Hey, another while. end of the uh, age spectrum. So, you know, our, our listenership has 15-year-old children. And mm. this question from Harrison Brock, I'm turning 18 in a couple months. Is there anything I need to prepare for or do before I'm an adult? So there's the key here, before, <laughs> before. I'm an adult. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Cause you answered your own question. Yes, Harrison. You're going to look back. If you don't do this, you're going to look back and think, I, I could have, I'll never ever know what it was part to be, a, uh, what it was like to be a part of a sweet heist team. You are right now, from my understanding of the law, cannot be persecuted because you're not an adult in the United States. You, they, all they can do again, this is my also, I legal. I think he said persecuted. Am I correct? Or persecuted. Well, it doesn't matter. It is. It's persecuted. That someone would be thrown in prison for a sweet heist. So, (laughs) from my understanding, and again, I if I I would recommend what's the listener's name, Cameron here. Uh, Harrison Brock. Okay, I would recommend Harrison not consult any kind of legal documents or a lawyer. Let's just pretend that, you know, we're very confident in this. That Mm -hmm. the worst that can happen to him now is for him to go to juvie until he's adult, which. He just Harrison just admitted it's only a few months. You can right. do a few months in juvie, That's uh, right. you know. And I'm not I'm not saying it's just commit. like detention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like after school. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's your own personal pod to chill out and to you know wait out adulthood, Harris Harrison. You thank me for that. It's a you know 
uh, a privilege to go to juvie. Trust me. Trust me. Okay? It'll be expunged on your birthday. A privilege to go to juvie. Because everyone who's an adult has thought about this scenario. I wish it would be so cool to be a part of a heist. Like, where you got the van guy, you got the guy who sneaks to the ventilation, you got a safe cracker, you know, you... you, you you know, you want to assemble a squad of 17-year-olds on the verge of adulthood and pull off a sweet heist. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe steal a new two-seater jet ski for you when you find the love of your life. You're ready. You know, yeah. that's all I'm saying, Harrison. It's, it's a heist at the Shidu store. All right, Jesse. Uh, Sarah says, uh, my new neighbor called the cops on us for parking on the street our second day here. How can I subtly get back at him? My next door alias is an option. Okay. <laughs> I, I love, I'm assuming she means the next door. Next door app. So, app, yeah. uh, so the second day in this living arrangement, the neighbor called the called police the cops on her for parking yeah, on the street. That's brutal. Yeah. Mm, no well, note, no note, no knock on the door. Just, Hey, friendly heads up. No, call the cops. Yeah. yeah they still well, she was a subtly, same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's escalated quickly. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Suddenly get back at him. How can she suddenly get back at him? Well, I think the problem there is subtly because what, what, what your neighbor did, what your neighbor did there was not subtle. What your neighbor did was send a message loud and clear. He's not up for shenanigans. Can I make a couple assumptions about this neighbor? Um, the kind of guy that, um, doesn't put up with people parking in the wrong spots. I guarantee you a few things. He wears jeans and tucked in polo shirts every day. He has a cell phone belt clip. He is prone to Bluetooth. He backs into spots no matter what. We picture to Bluetooth. We're picture. You guys all got the guy in mind, right? For sure, I've got the guy. He's my father. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, like so. So I mean, this guy. You know, unfortunately, he's an easy target. Um, But what what he did, he's he's incapable of subtlety is the thing um and so i i would i would find out where he where this individual lives and do things like you're gonna need to do things that are only gonna slightly annoy him like that 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 you know he is gonna it's gonna annoy him. so you could do like the old you know burn the dog poop on the doorstep type of thing but that's not gonna get to this guy this is the type of guy who sweats stuff like you know someone squeezed the toothpaste from the middle of the tube or someone <laughs> left a box of cereal open right like someone so left the tv on her to break into his house she's got to be comfortable with home invasion but the important thing is this is when he's at work he seems like a very punctual type of person the person that calls the cop probably shows up to places a few minutes early so you, you got his schedule and just go in there and do subtle things it's just gonna annoy the heck out of this guy make sure like the paintings on the wall are just a little crooked you know give him no peace just annoy the heck out of him in the subtle ways that gets guys like that all bent out of shape that's my advice <laughs> all right lastly we have uh uh matt hurt matt hurt he says i started playing racquetball with my dad after four weeks i'm zero and four he's starting to talk smack i was thinking about practicing but then i thought i could just try sabotage any advice oh wow well i first off i like anyone whose name is a complete sentence matt hurt um <laughs> Yeah, yeah subject, subject verb. verb. So I, yeah, I like the cut of your jib, Mister Hurt. <laughs> Matt and Mister Hurt is is. 
so he was so he's not he's so I, I the other thing too is I like that this guy uh, obviously the solution isn't to practice more he I'm right with him there there's no point in yeah, working hard no for point. this there's no point at all you want to find a cheating shortcut um, and so you know there's a number of ways where I don't think you want to you want to make sure that you're not uh, uh, injuring your father but the, I think I think the key here is sabotaging the equipment okay um, I think think they're you know just like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where they where he whacks the ball with tennis racket and goes right through the racket I think you're going to need to get some sandpaper and overnight sand down his strings till visibly they look the same but the first okay. smack of the racquetball it goes right through that's a forfeit that oh, is wow. an equipment that's a forfeit hey I was ready to play that's one for you Matt and all it took was some sandpaper and a long night of sanding down all your dad's expensive racquetball rackets so <laughs> I mean, it's better than beating him. You beat him. You beat him. You know, you didn't have to beat him with your athleticism. You beat him no. with what's between the ears, Matt. And that's how games. That's how real games are won. Okay. Why are Why are dads so good at racquetball? Is it because you don't have to run around very much? You can just kind of like plant yourself <laughs> in the middle. Yeah, I have There's a theory. A lot of running and I have I have a theory, but it's all like little four foot spurts. You I know. know what I mean? I, I, Cameron, I have a theory. <laughs> At some point. Uh, dads get really into angles. Like everything's about <laughs> angles. They're always measuring stuff. They always have tools that have a lot of angular stuff. Racquetball at that level is a game of angles, oh you know. And there's nothing dads think about think you're more, right, Jesse? Than angles, right? Like if, if like you, how they park, like yeah, they, they, exactly. They want they, they're angles. about the angle into the parking Packing spot, in a yes. trunk before, before a big trip. Yeah, you know, just. exactly. Most if you were if you were to wake up on a Saturday morning, like if you stay at your parents' house and your dad's up early, I guarantee you he's doing something with angles. Like yeah. hey, like, have you ever met a dad who can't back a trailer up? perfectly like you could give you could give them like an insane uh, uh, maze of hedges and give them a double wide u-haul trailer as long as he's uh-huh. got like a, a thermos of coffee and his yeah. blue blocker sunglasses he's backing all the way through that without touching a leaf like all well, dads think about his angles and racquetball is the translation of that when you guys both turn into racquetball dads will you tell us what made that transition happen the day that you realized like oh my gosh i'm a racquetball dad yeah. will you tell us i bet freddie prince jr is a racquetball dad for sure oh 100 yeah, oh, yeah. he even found the angle for his career i don't know i wouldn't want to push him too hard on the racquetball court but... <laughs> that is not respectful i respect not... him i do it this but is, he has this a is lot a of pack. time on his hands so he can practice he, he got pretty good over the last 15 years hurtful he would say the same thing to he we have an open relationship he can criticize yeah, my he career can say moves. The, yeah yeah same same um, Freddie Perez Jr. is very, <laughs> he, he holds a grudge. Like I said, can't we can make legally, we can make all the jokes we want here. We are in the clear. Oh, I'm just so scared <laughs> he's going to listen. Um, oh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's some good advice, Thanks. Jesse. I appreciate yeah. that. I'm sure all these people, uh, their lives are going to be for the better. Yeah. Um, hey, if you want to, if you want to join in and you have some big life conundrums that you want Jesse's advice for, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, follow us on uh, at Relevant Podcast. You can ha- use hashtag Ask Jesse. Um, one thing that I did notice as I was going through the Ask Jesse hashtag is the very famous actor and a- activist Jesse mm-hmm. Williams also from time to time will use the hashtag Ask yeah. Jesse. So oh, I, I like the idea that people are like he's going through yes. and clicking on Ask <laughs> Jesse and, and people are asking him like, where should me and my brother get matching tattoos? Yes. Uh, yes. You know. That's great. Yeah. That's I wish he would. I, I, I will 
will extend, <laughs> extend the invitation right now to Jesse Williams. If you'd like to become on, come on, we can tag team a couple of these. I'd be yeah. interested on in your take. <laughs> yeah, do that. Do yeah. that. Yeah, you're welcome. And, uh, you're welcome. On next Tuesday's episode, we will uh, answer more of your life questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, many thanks to uh, Scott Harrison for joining us today. Remember, Thirst is out today. Go check it out. And every dollar... Uh, that is raised is going to go to building clean water wells around the world through Charity Water. It's an amazing thing that he's doing. Uh, also, go get Annie's new book, Remember God. It's out now, and we are going to all read it over the next couple of days, and we will have a little book club session on Friday's episode. So uh, join us. Uh, go grab Remember God now. And if you get the audio uh, book, uh, apparently there's a lot of extra little tidbits and commentary. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, enough. There's wait. just enough. <laughs> hey, the new issue of Relevant is available now. It's featuring Johnny Swim on the cover. Uh, we also featured with Bo Burnham, Foster the People, Christine Kane, W. Kamal Bell, Francis Chan, a lot more. Uh, go check it out. Um, and we, right now, are going to give you the Johnny Swim issue for free if you subscribe. Uh, you'll get a whole year of Relevant, the next six issues, but we will send you the Johnny Swim issue for free as a thank you for subscribing now. Head over to relevantmagazine.com slash I love the podcast slash I love the podcast to get your free issue of the Johnny Swim issue of Relevant. Go check it out. Um, hey, also, uh, if you like the show, um, uh, they put this note in here. I've been mentioning it over the last month. If you like uh, the podcast, head over to iTunes and rate it and leave a review. It helps other people discover the program. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. But if you like the show, go give us five stars and tell us that. why. Hey, Jesse, did you, uh, did you see any of the comments this week that people were posting? Any of the reviews there on iTunes? Okay, this one is uh, uh, from EKT. EKT, hey, we were just talking about this. I love listening at work or on my commute. The balance between goofing around and getting real in the best way. <laughs> they, that's how we balance it. Um, they balance also, it. She also likes the pacing that keeps her uh, from being bored. Overall, just one of the best podcasts. EKT, that's the kind that it's specific enough where people could tell that you weren't just doing it because you asked. You actually told us uh, something. Uh, Of course, that was uh, uh, five stars. Okay. Uh, Annie, this one gives you a particular hat tip here. This is, listen to this. A lot of people. Thank you for actually literally touching your baseball cap when you said that. You're you're welcome. Um, And so, hey, if you got a long drive coming up, uh, this is some great advice uh, from so many po- passions. This the user's name is so many passions. This is how you know it's an authentic review because this person's got not just a lot; she's got so many passions, guys. So, so many. many. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago, she had to drive an hour. I say she. I, I don't. I have no idea the gender. I'll say she. Uh, six hours from Phoenix to L.A. I, I'm gonna guess a guy's a guy's iTunes name isn't so many passions. I'm, let's I see think what let's see what the person day, says you know. about me, and then we'll figure out if it's a male or a female. Yeah, okay. This is this is a romance novelist in my mind. <laughs> The author of the So Many Passions series. Love, it does loves, sound like love a stories, jet skis, and passions. Uh, mm-hmm. This podcast made the trip so much more enjoyable. They added Andy F. down to the cast, who I love. Who I love. They mentioned you by name. No one else uh, by name. They're entertaining and funny. Um, uh, they said even people who you know might not even be Christians would like us. I I agree. So many people have come to the Lord uh, uh, because of this. Um, and finally, uh, from uh, <laughs> from David, David gave us five stars. Okay, um, oh thanks, David. 
uh, and and the review is really nice. Okay, I'm going to read the review, but here, but what's kind of off putting about David? I'm still going to give him a hat tip because he gave us five stars and a nice review. Um, but he titled the review something that I don't feel great about. But he, he he wrote, "My roommate recommended this podcast a couple weeks ago. It captured me in its weirdly funny way. I love pop culture." <laughs> The hosts are entertaining, and it's nice to have a clean but funny recap to the week. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Basically, I'm friends with these peeps. Very Aww, nice, David. I appreciate really it. Really sweet. But, but here's what I didn't appreciate, David. You <laughs> oh, named boy. that review. You, you get to name the review, give it the stars, and then write the review. Here's what, here's what he named that review. Will grow on you. What is that supposed to mean? What kind of, most people are going to breeze right past it because they're like, oh, this one's got to grow on me. Your roommate, you, you and your roommate said it's delightful. What's growing on you? How much time do I like you- the idea of our listener friends giving us tiny, tiny burns in their reviews that no one else would know. But it's a passive aggressive of you. I mean, it was five stars, so technically you're in the clear, Roast David. Just but a if you leave bit. another one, let's let's just keep it all. That's you know, really funny. And, uh, it could have said an instant favorite instead we'll grow grow so leave yours don't be passive aggressive like david not love at first sight it's love at third date with david so (laughs) subject it'll grow on you like eve's tumor yeah (laughs) part of this eve's tumor part three of the so many passions series It's a steamy romance novel. There's so many passions that I'm working on. Heartbreaking. It's a it's a deathbed romance. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it is alternative Bible stories, which again has gotten me a lot of heat with the Piper (laughs) and the Ken Hams out there. But uh, they are steamy. They are steamy. (laughs) So many passions. I feel like what we just did uh, an episode of SNL where it just kind of got weird at the end. You know, just it was fairly normal, but then. Just stay for that very last sketch, that. and it pays off. Halloween and that, candy and that's when problem. You change, and that's when you change your review from instant favorite to we'll grow on <laughs> you. <laughs> if you stick around to the end, something's going to grow on you. Yeah. Yeah. Eve's tumor. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie Updowns. Go get Remember God. We'll see you on Friday. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Remember God for amnesia. Relevant Podcast Network.
from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast.